I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's just have some fun and talk about cursed objects. Do you ever thrift shop or buy stuff at an estate sale, and you ever wonder if you bought or found a cursed object? What would you do if you found one? Would you keep it? Would you sell it? Would you bury it? Burn it? What? Well, let's take a look at some famously cursed objects. But before that, if you guys could go over and rate and review Paranormal Almanac on iTunes and share it with your friends, that's the best way to get this show out there. If you like this show, that is the best way to get this show out there. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Paranormal Almanac. I'm trying to be better to be more social media active, so I hope I can. I'll put it that way. But first, before we get to the paranormal news, let's do shout-outs. Shoutouts to Vincente, Lauren, Amber, Angie, Autumn, Carolyn, L, Chuck, Carolyn C, Chuck, Dan, Daniel, Dill, Edgar, Heidi, J. Mark, and Yep, J. Mark. I agree with your emails that you've been sending me. Uh, Jade, Jeff, Jim, Judy, Juliana, Kat, Keith, Kira, Lash, Laura, Laura, Ruth O, Lauren, McCune, Lily, M, Calvillo, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Michaela, Manning, Martin, Matt, Megan, Nanashi, Nick, Pablo, Rosa. Sarah B, Sarah L, Shelly, Lauren, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Travis, Troy, Veronica, and finally, oh, I already said Vincente, but finally, Vincente yet again. That's a double shout-out for Vincente. That's a great group of people. I love chatting with them. You can chat with me, too, over on patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. You guys are what makes this show happen. So I hope you guys are enjoying the Patreon. Um, hint. You're going to be talked about in a minute at the end of this episode as well. Uh, but I hope you guys are enjoying the Patreon. I want to do more with you guys over there or on Facebook or wherever, because without you guys, and this is not an exaggeration, without you guys, this show could not happen. I couldn't afford the domain, the domain fees, the podcast hosting fees, the microphone that I'm talking to you on now. So if you like this show and you want to donate to help me out, I appreciate every one of them so much because, again, without you guys, I probably would have stopped around 50. That's That was my goal, to make it to 50 and be done. Well, I'm way past 50, 50 episodes, that is. Uh, I have no intention on stopping. Thank you guys so much for the support. Also, I need a theme song for Paranormal News. So, if you guys are musically inclined which, as you can tell, I am not. Um, If you guys are musically inclined, you want to write a theme song, quick little, you know, paranormal news, but better than that, you know, add stuff to it, whatever. You know, keep it under, let's say, under 20 seconds, 20, 30 seconds. If you guys want to do that, send them in to me. I'll put them into the episodes. I'll credit you guys. Try to get you guys out something in the mail as a quick thank you. Um, I think it would be cool if it came from a fan. So hopefully... 
You guys want to do that? If not, totally cool. I'll come up with something horrific for paranormal news that you guys have to sit through every week. You know, it's up to you. Whatever you want. All right, with that, let's get on over to paranormal news. Now, I realize it's the 12th of February, so you only have a few weeks, two weeks? Yeah, you only have two weeks left to get in on this, but where to see a ghost in February? According to the Paranormal Database, dozens of strange events occur annually, including bloody ghost battles and the sailing of phantom ships. So according to the database, the Clan MacDonald were murdered by the Clan Campbell in the General Glencoe area in the UK. Actually, these are all in the UK, so this is for my more international listeners, or if you happen to be going to the UK this month, here's your chance. So it's said that the Glencoe area, the Clan MacDonald, were murdered by the Clan Campbell, and on February 13th, the ghost of 38 family members returned to the scene of the crime. So if you guys happen to live in the Glencoe area or can get to it by, oh God, by tomorrow, please do, please video 38 family member ghosts returning to the scene of the crime. The next one is Goodwin Sands in Kent. Now this haunting is said to occur every 50 years since February of 1748. So sure, 50 years sounds like a lot of time, but not in the grand scheme of things, and especially if this one is on course every 50 years. Now believers say that a jealous sailor ran the Lady Lovey Bond shop onto Goodwin Sands. Oh, it must have been a ship. Uh, the name of the ship was the Lady Lovey Bond. You know, come on, writers. Uh, wrecking the sh- wrecking the ship and killing everyone who sailed in her. Just for uh, edification, this Wales Online news site that I have this from says wrecking the shop and killing everyone who sailed in her. So, though there were no reports of witnesses in 1998, it's said that the ship reenacts the wreck every 50 years on February 13th. Again, tomorrow. Next one is North Reps, Norfolk. Along a lane off a hungry hill lies a pit that reportedly haunted, that's reportedly haunted by the spirit of a woman that killed herself at the site. Now, some believe that the spirit is something darker, determined to lead the living to their demise. Either way, it's earned its name the Shrieking Pit, and it's haunted every February 24th. So you have a little bit more time to get to that one. And I'm only going to do two more. Barry St. Edmunds in Suffolk. Man, I have a guy, I have a listener who said, hey man, if you're going to be talking about UK sites, message me and I'll tell you how to say them. And I even said, hey, I've got something coming up, I need to message you. Did I message him? No, because I'm a terrible human being. So I apologize, I'm probably butchering all of these names. I'm sorry. It's said that a nun, Maud Carew, murdered the Duke of Gloucester? Daha! Murdered the Duke of Gloucester back in 1447. The cursed Grey Lady is now believed to haunt St. Mary's Churchyard, and uh, you can find her at 11 p.m. on February 24th. So apparently she is really prompt. And lastly, Hampton Court in Surrey. Sir Christopher Wren died in the front room of Hampton Court back in 1723. It's reported that the astronomer's footsteps can be heard in the old courthouse every year on February 26th. Now, there are a couple more. There's a few more, actually. Quite a few. So I'm going to put this up on Facebook. So if you do happen to be in the UK, you have nothing better to do, and you want to hunt down a ghost for me, I'd appreciate it. Alrighty, next up in paranormal news, the Pentagon compiled research into invisibility cloaking, 
wormholes, and warp drives. Now, apparently there's some documents that uh, disclosed this research that came out just this month. A uh, document revealed that a secretive multi-million dollar Department of Defense program from the late 2000s compiled research into invisibility cloaks, warp drive, and many other areas of fringe space science as part of a now defunct program aimed at detecting and potentially explaining strange sightings in the Earth's atmosphere. It was a five-page document, included a list of papers written for the program, originally sent to two members of Congress last year. Now, the pages were released on January 16th as a response to the Freedom of Information Act. So that does work. We're finding out more and more about UFO sightings and secret government departments about the paranormal because of the Freedom of Information Act. So it does work. Anyhow, between 2007 and 2012, the Defense Intelligence Agency spent $22 million on this UFO program, which was formerly known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Now, I did talk about this program. I've talked about it a few times, but I did talk about this program on a past episode. These are new pages that are coming out about that program. There was five more pages that were released. And again, it is uh, the idea of invisibility has fascinated people for millennia, inspiring many myths, novels, and films. So they are working on invisibility cloaks. In my opinion, they've succeeded either by backwards engineering something from the aliens from a UFO, or we have finally figured out how to become invisible. But it's not just that. The wormholes is an amazing thing. Warp drive is an amazing thing to advance the human race. So a lot of neat stuff coming out that apparently our government's been working on for quite a while. Up next in paranormal news, Harvard's top astronomer says an alien ship may be among us. And he doesn't care what his colleagues think. So good on him for that part of it. Avi Loeb, Avi Loeb, Avi, I I apologize, I probably just butchered your name, said that uh, he has always been interested in the universe, and especially the alien species in that universe. And he has a special spaceship theory that has now gone viral, and now five film companies are interested in making a movie about his life. A neatly handwritten page of equations sits on the desk, And he says, oh, this is something I did last night. It's a calculation that supports his theory that an extraterrestrial spacecraft, or at least a piece of one, may at this moment be flying past the orbit of Jupiter. Now, since publishing this controversial paper, he has run a nearly nonstop media circuit embracing the celebrity that comes from it. Basically, he is uh, a top Harvard astronomer who suspects technology from another solar system just showed up at our door. So we have a top Harvard astronomer who thinks kind of like what I think that we're going to be visited soon if we haven't already. I personally think we've already been visited, but he says disclosure is coming and it's coming soon. And I hope he is right. He's a smarter man than I am, so probably is. And finally, on paranormal news, a strange pill-shaped object was seen pulsing in a North Carolina sky, but what was it? Now, there's a video of a random flashing object in the sky outside Greensboro, North Carolina, and a lot of people seem to think it's a UFO. It's a five-minute video. It's been magnified and slowed down, and the pill-shaped object is seen soaring through the sky and producing a series of flashes. 
Now, the video was was uh, posted Saturday, and it's credited to Brett Jones, known as Space Brett on YouTube, who explains in the video that the weird thing was spotted on Friday, January 25th, while he was trying to film birds, while he was trying to film birds outside Greensboro. He says, I noticed a strange flashing light in the sky near an airplane. It was moving slowly in the sky, a little slower than planes flying around. I did not think I captured it at all because the focus would only hunt and not lock on. Now, however, he says uh, he later magnified the footage by 900% and slowed it down to reveal a glinting pill-shaped object that produces flashes from its two ends. He goes on to say, when I saw it, it just blew me away because it was not what I expected at all. I don't know what it was. Now, of course, there are some people that think it was probably just a Mylar balloon on string or a Wi-Fi extender antenna balloon, but it does kind of look like maybe possibly it's been tethered at one point in the video. And uh, this Jones guy says he couldn't explain the flashing and the vanishing and suspected the tether could also be the object ejecting some kind of fuel. So I'm going to post this one up on the Facebook page as well. Tell me what you guys think. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Tell me what you guys think. Do you think it's a UFO or not? Alrighty, with that, let's take a look at some supposedly cursed objects. Now, I say supposedly because, well, I would debunk a few if I could, but I can't prove they're fake, so they're supposed as far as I'm concerned. There's just not enough evidence to debunk stuff at certain times, but it's probably fake. Anyhow, the first one on this list has a bizarre beginning. Not only is it a cursed object... But it also has to deal with a ghost. So let's start at the beginning. Burton Agnes Hall is an Elizabethan manor house in the village of Burton Agnes near Driffield. Dryfield? Driffield. See, I should have contacted that listener. In the East Riding of Yorkshire, England. Now, it was built by Sir Henry Griffith in 1601. Anne Griffith, spoiler, she's the ghost later in the story. Anne Griffith was the youngest of three sisters who lived there. Now, she was the daughter of Sir Henry, and the legend goes that she watched the nine-year-long construction of this house and fell madly in love with the house. She basically wouldn't shut up about how great it's going to be and how much she was looking forward to live there. And, as you can probably tell, sadly, she went out one afternoon to visit the St. Quintins at Harfem. The what? It doesn't matter. Now, this thing, the St. Quintins of Harfem, was about a mile away when she was attacked and robbed by some bad people and left for dead. Apparently, people managed to get her back to Burton Agnes, where, being delirious, she told her sisters that she would never rest unless a part of her could remain in, quote, our beautiful home as long as it shall last. She made them promise when she was dead, her head would be severed and preserved in the hall forever. You know, like you do. And to pacify her, the sister said, yeah, sure, you got it. We'll cut cut off your head and leave it in the house that we're all going to live in because that's what we want to live with. Now, when Anne died a few days later, they went, screw that, and they buried her in the churchyard. Guess what happened? If you said her ghost walked around the house and scared the life out of everybody, well, you win. And finally, someone remembered her batshit crazy beheading request, and they were like, oh, yeah, we probably should have beheaded her and kept her head in the house we all live in that's beautiful and we spent nine years building. So they opened her grave and brought her skull home. 
Now, the ghost sighting stopped and everything was peaceful until someone decided having the skull in the house was kind of gross and they threw it away. And according to legend, immediately, Ghost Anne started screaming again. So, they went out to the trash, they got it out of there, dusted all the crap off of it, brought it back in the house, and everything quieted down again. Now, another time, it was buried in the garden, hoping that, you know, it's close enough to the house, maybe it won't, she won't start screaming again. But, uh, nope. So, she starts screaming again, they bring it back in. Okay, so... So that brings us to this supposed part of the story. So supposedly, when they brought it back in, the skull was put behind one of the walls, and the popular rumor is it's behind the wall in the Great Hall, but no one knows for sure anymore. The only thing they know is there hasn't been a screaming ghost in the house for a very long time. So I guess the moral of this story is always behead your relatives and put their heads in the walls of your house. Wait, no, that doesn't sound right. Don't don't do that. I, I, actually, don't don't do that. Paranormal Almanac does not suggest beheading your relatives and putting their heads behind a wall so they won't scream at you after they die. Okay. With that one, let's move on to this next one. And I have a question for you. Do you like creepy paintings? How about cursed creepy paintings? If you said yes, then I have a painting for you. It's called The Hands Resist Him Painting, and it was painted by artist Bill Stoneham, And it was relatively recently, too. This painting was done in 1972. All right, first, let me describe this painting. I'm going to put a photo of it up on Facebook and Instagram. But let me describe it for you. There's, all right, so this painting's got a boy and a creepy doll girl, about half the size of the boy. And they're both in front of a glass door. Now, in this glass door, you can see numerous hands, I don't know, trying to get out, out, I guess. Yeah, I would assume they're trying to get out. Of what? I don't know. I didn't paint it. It's creepy. Basically, I don't like it. Okay, so this Bill guy, he paints a series of creepy paintings. Now, I actually tried a few times to get in contact with him, but as of recording, no luck. I wanted to ask him what he feels about one of his paintings supposedly supposedly being a cursed creepy object. You know, is that something he was going for? What was he going for with the whole creepy guy and the, with the creepy kid and the doll girl and all the hands behind the glass? You know, why, why are you painting creepy crap, Bill? Is one of the things I was going to ask him, but no luck. So anyhow, this is the first in the series, and it was displayed at the Fine Garden Gallery in Beverly Hills, California. Now, this was in the early 70s, and as is normal at art exhibits, it was reviewed by the art critic at the Los Angeles Times. Don't worry, this will be important in a minute. Now, the painting was purchased by actor John Marley, who is an actor from The Godfather. And that was the end of the story, right? Nope. So, John Marley buys the painting. Bam! He dies. Now, the next time the painting was seen was in an old brewery, supposedly by an elderly California couple. So, some old California brewery. They have no idea how it got there. They don't have any idea how it went from John Marley's house after he dies to this brewery. But anyhow, this old California couple put it up on eBay and the seller said the painting was cursed. The curse includes the characters in the painting moving during the night and that they would sometimes leave the painting and enter the room in which it was displayed. The characters in the painting 
would just leave the painting and enter the room in which it was pa- in in which it was being displayed. If this sounds like Velvet Buzzsaw, this Netflix movie, you're probably not wrong. It was probably based on a story either exactly like this or something like this. So anyhow, this old elderly couple are like, screw this crap, we're getting rid of it. Oh, also included in the listing were a series of photographs that were said to be evidence of an incident in which the female doll character in the painting threatened the male character in the painting with the gun that she was holding. That's the rumor. I can't find these photos. So, you know, probably bullshit. Take that with a grain of salt. Sorry, so some idiot buys the painting. Who is he? Well, he's a person from the Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, he contacted Bill about the painting. So, back to Bill in his own words about the painting from his own website. Bill says, Both the owner of the gallery, where Hands was displayed, and the Los Angeles Time art critic who reviewed my show were dead within a year of the show. Now, I'm sure it was just a coincidence, but some of what I paint resonates in other people. Opening the inner door or basement. By the way, I still have no idea what happened to the character actor who bought the painting at the show. Then it goes, editor note, it was John Marley who died in 1984. Or how it ended up in an abandoned building, though I could speculate, slash Bill. So that's what Bill says about this. Supposedly, nothing has happened since with the painting, though. Okay, from that, let's go on to another painting. And this one is a debunk of sorts. There was a painting of a crying boy that was very popular in the 50s. Now, the story goes that firemen kept finding the posters of the painting in homes destroyed by the fires. So the curse of the crying boy painting was started. You know what? Stop it. Seriously, just stop it. If every house that caught fire in one year had a poster of the crying boy and the only thing that wasn't burnt was the poster and every house that didn't have a poster of the crying boy never caught fire and there was more house fires that year than any other year, then sure, maybe you have a curse of the crying boy painting. But that isn't the case at all. It was a very popular painting. A bunch of posters were made. They were very popular. Some of the houses that caught on fire had the paintings or had the posters. Some didn't. Here's my bet. I bet that every house that catches fire has a plate in it. Does that mean plates are cursed? Or they all have toilets in them. So obviously toilets are cursed. Look, it was just a popular poster. People had them. Sadly, house fires happen, nothing more. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, to suggest that there was any proof of this curse. It's just a stupid urban legend creepypasta bullshit, and it needs to stop because this one shows up on every cursed object list. It's not cursed. Moving on. Another painting. Now, this one is called the Anguished Man Painting. Anguished Man Painting. And this story comes from one source. Weakinweird.com. And only them. Every other story about this is just a regurgitation of this website story. I found the source of the story. It's weakinweird.com. So I'm already calling bullshit on it because there's only one source. It's not that great of a source. There is no proof behind any of this, but let's keep going. 
Uh, like I said, I can't prove any of this, so here is what, in my opinion, is a creepypasta tale. None of it can be proven. The painting has never been scientifically tested, which is obnoxious to me. Within minutes, they could validate a huge part of this probably BS story, but here you go anyway. So the story comes from weekendweird.com. I'm going to read it to you as written on weekendweird.com because, again, it's the only place to get this info. Huge red flag. So the email says, Over 25 years ago, a friend of my grandmother gave her an old oil painting called The Anguished Man. How they know that, I don't know, but let's continue. She told my grandmother that this artist used to that this artist used his own blood mixed in with the oils and committed suicide shortly after finishing the painting. I have no way of confirming if this story is true or not, but my grandmother passed the story down to me when she gave me the painting. It goes on to say, I really like the painting, but because my wife didn't like it, I kept it in the cellar. After our cellar was flooded during a prolonged period of heavy rain, I moved the contents of the cellar cellar to my parents' garage while the cellar dried out. When I got the painting back, I decided to keep it in our spare bedroom on the third floor of our house. Shortly after, we start, shortly after, we started to hear strange noises, loud, unexplainable bangs, and an odd scraping noise, like something scratching, nope, sorry, like someone scratching their nails on fabric. Okay. From the third floor of the house. I can get that you hear bangs. Sure, you hear strange noises. But you can hear something that sounds like someone scratching their nails on fabric from the third floor. Okay, let's keep, let's keep going. When the painting was in the cellar, our dog would not go in the cellar. She would just stand outside growling. Now, when it was moved upstairs, she refused to go to the top floor despite the fact she usually used to follow me everywhere. At night, we would often hear crying and sobbing noises... I suppose these noises could have come from outside the house, and it was suggested the crying could have been a cat outside, but they sounded like they came from within the house. I wasn't duly alarmed at this point and put everything down to natural phenomenon. However, I started to see the shadowy figure of a man in the house. This is the first part of this story that makes me go, ooh, interesting. So I started to see the shadowy figure of a man in the house. It was always just in the corner of my eye or a brief fleeting glimpse of a dark shape. Soon, the rest of my family were seeing things too. It has also been suggested that because we all knew the history of the painting, that we were all imagining these things, and I suppose that is a possibility, but at the time, it felt very real. As the weeks went by, the noises got progressively worse. I even heard crying that seemed to be coming from inside our own bedroom. Again, it had been suggested that this could have been from a cat outside the window, but I've heard the noises cat makes, and this sounds distinctively human. A few nights, I woke up suddenly and saw the dark figure of a man standing at the foot of the bed. Could I have been dreaming? Again, this is a possibility. But at the time, it felt very real. The figure had the appearance of a tall, middle-aged man, but his features were unclear. I never actually felt afraid at this point, just extremely curious. I wanted to find out what was happening. Was it just my imagination, or were there something paranormal happening? We started to notice numerous cold spots around the house, and we often had a strange feeling of being watched. I often felt like someone was standing directly behind me, 
and heard whispers that seemed to be extremely close by. One evening, my wife had gone to bed early. She thought it was me getting into bed beside her, but when she turned around, she found herself staring into a stranger's eyes. I hear her scream from downstairs, and I ran upstairs to find her extremely shaken up by the experience. She has since told me she may have had a very lucid dream, but at the time, she was convinced it had actually happened. All right, first these people were way too clueless. Now these people are way too calm about spooky shit. Uh, Kim goes on to say, after this experience, my wife persuaded me to put the painting back in the cellar. Things settled down almost immediately, but once again, my dog refused to go anywhere near the cellar. When the painting was upstairs, the dog would quite happily follow me. When the painting was upstairs, the dog would quite happily follow me into the cellar. All right, stick with me for a little bit more. After posting the videos on YouTube, he posted some videos. Don't bother. I attracted a lot of interest worldwide, and several people asked me if I would consider setting up a video camera up in an attempt to record some of the activity. I moved the painting back into the top bedroom and set up the video camera. I recorded for approximately eight hours over three consecutive nights. After the first night, I was convinced I had left the bedroom door open, but in the morning it was closed, so I changed the camera angle in order to record more of the bedroom, because at first it focused solely on the painting. After spending several hours looking through all the footage, I found I had recorded quite a lot of noises. Most of them sounded like they came from outside the house and were easily explainable, but a few were different. They sounded like they had come from inside the bedroom. There was a strange scraping sound, similar to the noises we had previously been hearing, and the sound of a loud bang, like something falling, but in the morning, nothing was disturbed. When I checked the footage from the second night, I had found I had recorded the bedroom door suddenly singing shut, despite there being no drafts in the room. The third night, uh, let's see, let's keep going. Uh, the door swung open, uh, but it just, oh, he thought it was going to swing open, but it remained closed. He says, I decided to leave the painting in the top bedroom for the time being. And over the next few weeks, my wife felt like someone stroked her hair when she was in the bathroom one night. And I saw a strange fog, like a mist at the top of the stairs. I walked into the middle of it and it was extremely cold. I felt like I was standing in the middle of some dry ice. My vision was blurred and, be and I became very lightheaded. Then suddenly it vanished as quickly as it came. So he starts dreaming about this painting as well. I'm going to start really editing. This guy loves to talk. Uh, he starts dreaming about it. He could never make out the face. It's the same man. He's dreaming about this man all the time. Uh, waits a couple more weeks. Uh, trying to catch more activity. Four nights. Seven hours each night. And there was some strange light anomalies. Not really, though. Uh, there was one small lamp in the room. I don't know where these anomalies or orbs came from. They came from dust. Moving on. A few days after this, I heard my son's footsteps coming from the downstairs. Then suddenly, I heard him stumble and fall down the last four or five steps. I jumped up and rushed to help him. To my relief, he was unhurt, just a little shaken up. Kid fell down the stairs. Big freaking deal. I uh, goes on to say I tried to research the painting's background but uh, couldn't find anything, which is funny because he seemed to have a lot of info at the beginning, but we'll continue on. Uh, then came this update from the same guy to the same website. Hi, Greg. Just thought I would send you this update on the Anguish Man. I have recently temporarily moved in with my parents and obviously took the painting with me. It was only in the house for a few days when the noises started, the same noises I had previously experienced. Then on the third night, my father fell down the stairs, the same as my son did at the other house. Thankfully, he was unhurt, but now I have moved the painting back into storage. 
So they moved the painting from the storage. A local paranormal group asked them if they could move it to the Chillingham Castle. And apparently they did. It was in Northumberland. And on the evening of May 18th, 2013, at that castle, a group of people experienced events that were both terrifying and unexplainable. None of the guests were prepared for what was about to happen in the early hours of Sunday morning. The room went icy cold. A large dark figure appeared in the middle of the seance circle and a large wooden bench banged on the floor of its own accord in response to John Blackburn's questioning about the painting. Then suddenly the bench was flipped upside down violently by what was believed to be the ghost of John Sage, one of Chillingham Castle's resident powerful spirits, who we think he was showing his anger to a foreign uninvited spirit to the castle. Did any of this get caught on film? The answer is no. No, it didn't. He goes on to say there was at least 20 witnesses to that experience. Hey, that's cool. Can someone record something as cool as that so we can all see it? So it's a neat painting. Again, very creepy. Again, I wouldn't want it in my house. And I've got a lot of stupid paintings. I've got a Velvet Elvis painting and a clown painting and, you know, a bunch of cool stuff. But these paintings, no, nah, I don't want them in my house. Are they creepy looking? Hell yes, they are. Is the anguished man the creepiest of them all? Hell yes, it is. Do I buy this story? Hell no, I don't. It seems to be a real painting. They have photos of it. They have photos of the guy with the painting. That part seems to be real. Why is it only one website's... Whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't believe it. Okay, let's get off paintings for a bit. And let's talk about the Bassano vase. All right, here's the legend. This vase was made from carved silver in the 15th century. It was made for an Italian bride as a wedding gift in the northern village close to Napoli. All right, sure. Sounds good so far. On her wedding night, the new bride was found lying on the floor, dying and clutching her vase. Just before she died, she promised to return and seek her vengeance. Why? Who knows? It never says. So let's keep going. After she died, the vase was handed down from family member to family member, all dying in mysterious circumstances. Here's my suggestion. Stop passing it down from family member to family member. Look, if I was in that family, I would punch anyone coming near me holding a vase. Well, this BS story continues to say, eventually, the vase was boxed and hidden away from sight in a secret location. Then, in 1988, it was found. And inside it was a note saying, Beware, this vase brings death. The warning was discarded as you do in a bullshit story. And the vase was quickly sold off at auction, selling for 4 million lira. All right, let's stop right here. Does anyone see the problem? So some guy finds it, reads the note, throws it out. How do we know about the note at all? It was just put into this auction and sold. It's not like he said, hey, here's this vase that I want you guys to sell at the auction. After the person spends 4 million lira on it, could you tell them that this vase had a little note in there that says, beware, this vase brings death? Oh, I threw the note out because why would I want to keep a note that says, this vase brings death? Um, So can I have my 4 million lira? This is all bullshit. So he took the money from the vase's sale and uh, he he fucks off. Uh, So the buyer was a local pharmacist who died mysteriously just three months later. His family quickly sold it to a prominent surgeon who did not believe in such things as curses. Bam, he dies two months later, 37 years old. And then it was sold to an archaeologist who died 
three months later, his family sold it next. And the next owner had it for about a month before they died. Now, by this time, the townsfolk believed in the curse, including the remaining families, and tossed the vase out of the window. Again, this is 1988. So, uh, this vase that was valued at 4 million lira, but sure, some frightened townspeople threw it out a random window, and the stupidity of this BS story isn't done because, wouldn't you know it, when it was thrown out the window, it hit a policeman on the head. Now, he got angry. Who's throwing old vases that cursed vases at me? And he ticketed the thrower, who told him, you can keep the vase, I'll pay the ticket. All right, so let's pretend BS policemen of this story tried in vain to give it to museums, because that's what the story says. Oh, please, museums, take this weird vase from the 15th century. No, you don't want it? Okay, sure. Because, you know, they wouldn't accept it because of the curse. How does this BS end, you might be asking? Well, here's the bullshit part of the bullshit part. He either buried it and never tells anyone where he buried it, or he buried it in a lead coffin in some ancient cemetery. Why are there two different endings? Because people are making up shit on top of the shit that's already shit. So, that story wasn't even written well. Not believable at all. So, I'm going to call that debunk number two for this episode. Alrighty, let's keep on going. Here's a bizarre one that might be true. I gotta admit, this one might be true. There's some details being left out that need to be put in that I'm going to put into it, but... Let's get going. It's about a phone number. And no, I'm not talking about 8675309. It's an international number. Well, international for me. It's a Bulgarian number. And the number is 359-888-888-888. So, already, eights are supposedly bad numbers. So you would think, like, if you had a choice, you'd say, no, thanks, I'm good. But the story goes that the three people that were given this phone number died in terrible deaths. The first one was a CEO of a mobile phone company who died of an alleged radioactive poisoning, which I would love to know more about, but uh, there's no more info on that guy. Now, the other two, yeah, they were gunned down. One while on a date, the other while having lunch. So, not gunning down offenses in my opinion. But... The owners of those numbers that got gunned down, well, they might have had a reason to be gunned down. Because if you investigate this story even a little bit, you're going to find out that the first guy was named Konstantin Dimitrov. He was a mafia boss. So, a little bit more reasonable that he was gunned down. Now, I looked him up, and he was assassinated in the Netherlands while on a, quote, business trip. The other guy that was gunned down, his name was Konstantin So, maybe don't own that number if you're named Constantine. So, this second Constantine, he was gunned down in front of an Indian restaurant in Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria. And, surprise, depending on where you get your info, he appears to have been a drug dealer. So, two Bulgarians named Constantine, who are both criminals, were killed while having this phone number. So there's all sorts of weird shit to this story. Now, the Bulgarian carrier, Mobitel, suspended the number. Here's the thing. I called the number to see what would happen. 
And unfortunately, no one named Constantine answered the phone. Why? It's really been suspended. This number is truly not in service. So, yeah, bad people had it. Two bad guys had it. They both got gunned down. That's kind of a coincidence. The first guy, who seemed to be a legit CEO of a mobile phone company, died of an alleged radioactive poisoning. I'd like to know more about that one. That one they don't go into. If you get a call from 359-888-888-888, you're probably going to die too, especially if your name's Constantine. Sure, why not? Let's add that to the uh, the curse. All right, so that's part one of Cursed Objects. I left some big ones for part two. And I mean, one of them is my favorite cursed object ever. But the only way you can hear part two is to be a patron because that is the next patron-exclusive episode. Sorry for everybody who aren't who is not a patron. You're not going to be able to hear it. It is a patron-exclusive episode. It's a really good episode, actually. I'm going to be recording it probably tomorrow night. It has some great objects on there. Some not, none of the norm, well, a couple of the norms, but some unusual objects on there, one or two that I didn't know about that I think are really interesting that are possibly true. So for the rest of you guys... Go out and buy a scary painting. Nothing bad has ever happened to anyone that's ever done that. What do you guys think of these curses? Some of the curses, in my opinion, are utter BS. Other ones are kind of interesting. Um, I don't understand why family member after family member kept passing down a cursed object. It seems like a dick move, but, you know, I like my family, so I wouldn't do that. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the difference. What would you guys do if you bought something at a thrift store or at an estate sale, you brought it home... And it immediately started doing weird, crazy, spooky, cursed-like object things to you. How would you get rid of that object? Would you throw it away? Would you burn it? Would you seal it up? Would you throw it at a cop's head? What would you do? Would you try and sell it on eBay as a cursed object? Believe it or not, those things tend to sell and tend to sell for a little bit more money. There's a lot of cursed objects on eBay right now. They're all BS. It's just a way to sell an old, stupid-looking doll that's kind of spooky for a lot more money than a regular old, spooky-looking doll on eBay, but they do sell. What do you guys think of the paintings? The uh, the third one, the Anguished Man painting. Actually, go take a look at all three paintings on the Facebook. Let me know what you think of them there. Would you hang up any one of those paintings in your house? Again, I wouldn't. They'll be up on uh, Facebook and on Instagram Tell me what you think there. Once again, I've been your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Why <laughs> <laughs>